welcome back to two feral idiots i'm stephanie and i'm carly and today we are going to be talking about a valentine's true crime that uh carly researched but before we get started i am throwing carly for a loop so we talked about the purple gang oh yeah purple mafia which one was it purple gang purple mafia anyways they're out of purple gang they and you said that they came down to Toledo, right? I think so. Yeah. Yes, they did. So when I googled it, we found out it was the Jewish mafia. It was part of the Jewish mafia. They were, they were Jewish who started this mm-hmm. gang. So I was at my mother in law's house uh, Tuesday, this past Tuesday, right before Valentine's Day, and. I was talking to her boyfriend, Tux, which people have asked me if that's his real name. No, his name is Dave. But when Marla and Tux first started. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. When Marla and Tux first started dating, his profile picture on whatever dating site it was. I think it was Plenty of Fish. Maybe. I don't remember. Anyways, whatever dating site. He was in a tuxedo from his daughter's wedding. And so Matt, which is Lee's youngest brother, started calling him the tuxedo man or the tuxedo guy. And then it turned into the tux man or the tux guy. And then it turned into tux man or tux guy. And then it turned into just tux. So now everybody calls him tux, except Zoe. Zoe calls him duck, but that's irrelevant. (laughs) She can't say tux. She says duck, which I'm fine with because it could definitely be fuck. So I was just about to say that. We're winning with the duck. I'm glad we went to the D instead of the F. Um, Right. So I was talking to Tux and about it, and he said, "I'm surprised you didn't hear about it." I'm like, "No, I've never heard of it." He goes, "Well, fun fact. Um, uh, Marla's grandfather, so Lee's great grandfather, was a part of the Purple Gang. I have a book called They have a book called Unholy Toledo, and he's mentioned in this book." For those who obviously can't see because we don't do video, I'm holding the book. He's in this book. That is so cool. Right? So I figured April or May, we can do it on mafias, on different mafias. So I I want, or different members of of a mafia. So like I want to do Sammy the Bull, but we can do the Purple Gang one together because I have this book. Yeah. That's a good idea. Like the first chapter is the Jewish mafia, the Purple Gang. So it's this is written by Harry R. Eilman. Ilman? Ilman. Um, he wrote this entire book. It's all about the gang and the Jewish mafia. Um, you ask Tux. Um, Marla's father was also a part of this gang. He has no proof. He's just being He's he's mm. assuming by assuming. stories that Darla, which was um, Papa's girlfriend darla um has mentioned some stories and tux is just kind of putting pieces together they could be the wrong pieces we don't actually know papa passed passed away about two years ago a year ago a year ago um so we're assuming we don't have Hmm. confirmation and the only one that could actually confirm that is him or one of his buddies but papa died when he was 90 so none of his buddies are around anymore either so we are going, we're going to do the Purple Gang together and I'm going to read this book. Probably not the whole thing because I don't think it talks, I don't think the whole thing's about the, um, about the Jewish Mafia, about the Purple Gang, but like it, this book talks about the Jewish Mafia, the Purple Gang, um, an offer that couldn't be refused, early, uh, early history, prohibition days, um, the auto light strike payoffs detroit suicide toledo suicide like all sorts of stuff huh that's really interesting yeah this was written in 1985 oh wow yes yes i haven't read i've only read the few first few pages but i'm gonna read it more and like take notes and stuff so we could talk about it but i just Mm -hmm. i had to get your reaction on recording about this and when tux hears this he's gonna just be completely giddy about it um, but yeah, he, he's like, they're letting me borrow this book so we can do an episode on the purple gang. So I'm going to read this and like, write a, like a little blurb about it. 
Yeah, I'm so excited. That's crazy. Right? Right? Wow. Uh-huh. I'm so, I'm so freaking stoked. Yeah, so his great-grandfather. <laughs> I don't remember his great-grandfather's name, but I believe his... The so Marla's maiden name is Cosman. So when I find Cosman in here, okay, I'll know it's him. I don't know what his first name is, so I can only go off the last name. But yeah, I am so freaking excited about it. So excited. That is really cool. Yeah, I'm gonna when I find it, I'm gonna take a sticky note and I'm gonna stick it in the page. So if Marla ever wants to go in and find it, or if I want to show it to the girls, I'll be able to be like, "Hey, this is your great great grandfather mentioned in this." Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So. That's yep. so interesting. So I had to sh- I just had to share that with you. It's su- it's so cool. I'm so excited. Well, that's gonna be a good one then, since we have some personal ties to it yeah for real for real i i like i knew marla was raised jewish like when she was going to marry lee's dad she convert she wasn't a practice she wasn't practicing being a jew she was she just that's what she if someone asked her what's your religion she would say jewish um Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like she was going to the synagogue every sunday or anything like that so she actually converted to catholicism to be able to marry lee's dad kevin so, but I never put the two and two together that her great grandfather could have been part of the mafia. I never even thought about it. fuck. Papa could have been a part of the mafia. I mean, by right. Darla, I guess Darla, I guess have had made stories about like having to like contact people about transferring money or having to go and help transfer money, and he'd like take a pistol with him. Yeah, I yeah. Listen, if those are true stories. I'm going to venture to say it's safe to assume that he well, was. Dar- from the sounds of it, now, I don't know. From the from my understanding, now, I could be wrong. So, Tux, Marla, if you're listening to this, please correct me. From my understanding, Darla witnessed him leaving with the pistol to go help transfer money. Or leaving with the gun to go help transfer money. So... Mm, yeah. yeah i i would i would venture to say that he was but again we don't have proof it's not like they kept like documentation of who was in the mob or anything like that and if they did it's long fucking gone now but right. yeah i'm i'm pretty excited for us to deep dive into that it may it may have to be an april thing just because we're over halfway through february i don't think we'd be able to like gather a lot for march right but it will definitely have to be like an definitely in April. Yeah, yeah, for April sure. April one, and we'll do like for the purple sure. gang as like a duel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited about it. So I just Me had to too. share that with you. No, I'm I'm glad that's gonna be a good one for sure. Um, so this week, uh, we are doing a deep dive into one of the cases that we discussed the first week of February. I want to say yes yeah yeah when when stephanie did the episode um talking about different valentine's um crimes that were committed Mm -hmm. um and one that really stuck out to me that i wanted to learn more about was jesse mcbain and patricia um man which they were the two lovers um from 1971 that were strangled and found out in the woods together yeah, they were the ones walking um, home from the from the Valentine's Day dance, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, no. Yes, but no. They they drove. They had a car. They were in a vehicle. Oh. 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 Yeah. Oh. Okay. So they yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. They were leaving a dance one way or another. Yes. Yes, okay. yes. Yes. So I thought that one would be interesting, just because I wanted to know: Is it truly unsolved? Has there been any breaks? Um, and what are the actual, all of the details, like, leading up to it, all that. And, um, there's a lot more to this one than I thought. Yeah. So, I actually heard this story on Morbid with Elena Mm -hmm. and Ashley. Ash. With Elena and Ash. Um, so, that's where I originally heard this. And so, they really deep-dived into it as well. So, Mm -hmm. they're, like... 
the synopsis I gave, quite literally, it's the not even the tip. It's the straight up like minuscule peak of the ice right. iceberg. There, this thing is like an onion. It just unfolds and unfolds and unfolds some more. Mm-hmm. At least I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I found an article from uh, the News of Orange County, and it's from April third, two thousand and eighteen, uh, and the. Headline is possible break in 47-year-old cold case. Orange County authorities seek closure in 1971 double murder. Um, And it's by Adam Powell. So we'll just go through this a little bit. Nearly half a century ago, two young lovers, Jesse Allen McBain and Patricia Ann Mann, were brutally and sadistically murdered in a secluded... Mm, what's that word neither of us can say rural path rural yeah rural rural yeah yeah it's yeah. a hard <laughs> word i don't think a lot of people can say that hey lee you're yeah. nearby can you say the word rural can you say like like we live in a rural area can you say that what rural <laughs> yeah that word <laughs> Are you saying that right? I don't think you are. <laughs> I can't really say it. R- rural? What? Nope, can't say it. I'm not going to even attempt it anymore. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're so chaotic. <laughs> oh, I'm so God. chaotic. <laughs> no, we both are. Uh. Also, I'm drinking wine, so this is going to get a lot worse. Yes. Yeah, I am too. Everybody it's just Sunday. brace for impact. It's, it's yeah. Sunday night. Let's right. get drunk. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's, Everything's fine. fine. Everything's right. totally fine. We drink to cope. Anyways. Jeez. Don't say that. That sounds so bad. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. All right. So, um... <laughs> Oh God! <sighs> All right, back to the back to All back right. to murder. <laughs> Two young people—they've been described as lovebirds. She is twenty years old, a nursing student at Watts Hospital in Durham. He is a nineteen-year-old freshman at North Carolina State University. Wait, how they're old getting is she? their ed? She was twenty, and he was nineteen. I heard 24, and I was like, that is so unheard of for back then, but for a 24-year-old woman to be dating a 19-year-old man, usually by 24, you're married, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyways. Uh, They're getting their education, they're starting their life, there's talk of engagement. The date was Friday, February 12th, 1971, two days before Valentine's Day. There was a dance on the campus of Watts Hospital that night, and Jesse McBain made his way from his parents' home in northern Chatham County to Durham to visit his girlfriend, Patricia Mann. Jesse was not supposed to have the car that night, Detective Horn said in a recent interview. He and his brother shared the car, and it wasn't his night. He made a deal with his brother, and they traded days, worked it out. So at the last minute, Jesse gets the car. He talked to Patricia. The dance was on, so they go to the dance. At approximately 11.30 p.m., McBain and Mann left the dance, and Mann signed out of her dormitory, which had extended its nightly curfew from midnight to 1 a.m. They go parking to a nearby Lover's Lane near the present-day neighborhood of Crowsdale. At the time, developers had cut numerous cul-de-sacs into the neighborhood, but they hadn't yet built the houses. The rule was if the nurses wanted some private time with boyfriends, they could go to a close-by area they knew, Horn said. The unwritten rule was if someone was in a cul-de-sac, you go down to the next cul-de-sac. But many of the girls had their spot. McBain and Mann never came back. So, pretty much, they went to the dance. She signed herself out of the dormitory. dormitory, And Mm -hmm. they went and they parked on this lover's lane. 
so they could have some private time. And that was the last that anyone had really heard of what they were doing or had seen them at that point. Um, The following Saturday morning, it was quickly determined that Mann didn't return the night before. This was highly out of character for her, as she was described by all as a responsible young woman who wouldn't miss curfew. They called local hospitals asking if there had been a car accident. They made efforts to file an initial report with the Durham County Police Department within hours of them not coming back. Some of Patricia's co-workers at the hospital went out looking for her and Jesse, and they went to the Lover's Lane area and they found Jesse's car there abandoned. Their coats were still in the car. Everything in the car looked normal. Like, there was no sign of a struggle. Everything was, like, in its place. Everything was fine with the car. And the cars then had the triangular vent windows that you could just push in and out. So one of the girls was able to push it like it wasn't secured, and they reached in and unlocked the car door to open it and see what, if there was anything in there that could tell them pretty much what happened and there wasn't everything looked normal like they Hmm. just left the car got out and walked away so i know i said i heard this story before and i have it but just still thinking about how you're just gone Mm -hmm. just gone like your your family or your friends wake up expecting to see you and you're just not there no call no note, nothing. Again, I know it was the 70s, so it's not like you could just shoot a text, but just thinking about that, it's just so fucking scary. It's just yeah. so scary. that It could just be literally here, here, one minute gone, the literally the very next. Like, just nowhere in sight. Because I yeah. couldn't have imagined being, like, those friends of hers in the dormitory being sp- they were probably scared instantly yeah. because they're like, where the fuck is she? Why isn't she here? That's not, it's very unlike her for her not to be here. Yeah, it, it, it's very scary. Um, so Detective Horn, who gives a lot of quotes in this article. Um, so he, he's, he stated that originally the thought was that they must have ran away and, and eloped. Like they, sh- they must have just left the car, just left and went and done that. Um, But after a day or two, they quickly realized that that was not the case and that something was very wrong. It just became more apparent that that was they wouldn't have done that. It didn't make any sense. Right. Right. Yeah. So for nearly two weeks, they were looking. Um, They worked numerous leads and it just didn't go anywhere. But uh, 12 days after McBain and Mann went missing on February 25th, 1971, a surveyor that was working in the heavily wooded area along a one-lane dirt road found what he initially thought was a mannequin. Um, It was not a mannequin. It was a body. There was a leg that could be seen sticking up outside a pile of leaves. But when the surveyor got close to it, he realized it was actually a human body, Horn said. Okay, could you could you fucking imagine just stumbling upon a dead body? No. Like, I, I am willing to bet that that man heard his heartbeat and, like, the blood rushing in his ears just from, like, the, just from, the, like, the uncertainty of it all. Like, just, like, his, Mm -hmm. like, you know how, like, when you start getting, like, really, really anxious or, like, something, like, you're watching, like, something really, like, almost like a car accident happening in front of you and you can just hear the blood in your ears? I'm willing to bet Mm -hmm. that's exactly what that man heard. Is, like, the blood in his ears just rushing and, like, his heartbeat in his ears. Like, I, oh, my God, just thinking about it, like, I'm so glad I've never had that. I hope I never do. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I don't know how you just. I don't. I don't fucking know. How the how the I don't, it, I don't, so because in the seventies therapy wasn't a thing. Well, it was, but it wasn't talked about. It was, People but really it wasn't. Didn't go, yeah. Right. Ex- exactly. So, but how would you cope with that sort of thing? Like, how do you cope? 
Well, yes, alcohol was definitely a factor. Probably a little, <laughs> little bit of um, marijuana as well. But mm-hmm. how do you not become an addict? coping with that because that's what's gonna happen is that they're gonna end up becoming an alcoholic so well and and the thing how is do you it's, not even that, co- it's not even that he just stumbled upon a dead body he stumbled upon two dead bodies but it was a very gruesome scene right right because Which if he just stumbled up- more traumatic Right. It's not like, I'm not saying this isn't traumatic because it absolutely is, but it's not like he stumbled upon like a 85 year old man who had a heart attack walking in the woods. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He, he stumbled upon two murder victims. That is yeah. that I always like think about that when I'm hearing like these murder cases and these the people who stumbled upon the body. I always think like, how would you cope with that? How would you cope? It's so that is just that's just such a that's just a, such a mind fuck. Yeah. So when he stumbled across them, McBain and Mann uh, had been tied to a tree with thick knots around their heads and hands. The victims had been strangled. McBain was still wearing his class ring and his watch. There were no signs of any theft or any type of sexual assault. Patricia had an internal injury where she may have been punched hard or kicked or stomped. Um, Mm. The scene was um, about a quarter of a mile into the woods. It was really, really secluded. Detective Horn stated that there were beer bottles and cigarette butts. It was like off of a cul-de-sac. Like it was very much an area where people would go down and drink and party or do whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. So, not long. I mean, it was pretty much immediate that they determined that that was Jesse McBain and Patricia Mann. So, after they located the bodies, they started the extensive investigation. Regrettably, there was um, a lack of collaboration between the different law enforcement agencies because where it was at was almost it was very close to the border of Orange County and Durham County. So mm-hmm. both sheriff offices were working on it. What is now known as the DMV was working on it. The FBI was there. The SBI, which State Department of Investigation. So you had all of these departments there. And they put none of them were, and none of them I bet were communicating with each other because they wanted to hold no. the pieces of their puzzle to themselves. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Welcome to the um, 70s. So, yeah, they didn't collaborate at all, um, and it really resulted in an investigation that didn't put the entire picture together um, for mm-hmm. decades, at least. Everybody individually worked on the case, Detective Horn said. It didn't catch a whole lot of traction. There was a lot of work done, but it was individual. Not a lot of information was being shared by the various agencies, so there were some missed opportunities. There were a ton of initial suspects that were developed, but in talking with some of the retired detectives, as well as looking at the paperwork, it was clear that the overwhelming majority of these suspects weren't realistic. This is a horrible crime. Who lives within five miles of the area who was mean as a snake or would have done such a thing, Horn continued. The names on the list, there was nothing to substantiate that. It was just a name. So that slows them down a bit and they have to work through it. But as the dust started to settle, as they say, a handful of promising suspects did emerge um, and they were investigated. Some of them were cleared. Um, They did some polygraph tests on some of these suspects and were able to clear them. And some of them were not cleared. One of the, I would say, top suspects was a doctor at Watts Hospital who knew Patricia Mann. He had been a focus in the case, and Detective Horn says he is still a focus and a a person of interest. And he, to this day, has repeatedly refused to cooperate. He won't do a polygraph test. He won't give a DNA sample. He doesn't want to do it. And what was that guy's name again? It doesn't say his name. He just was a doctor at the hospital. 
Uh, but he's like, I thought number, you said Dr. So and so. One of their oh, high oh. suspects. No, no, no. But he just hmm. won't cooperate. Hmm. Doesn't want to do it. What's your hiding I don't know. there, Doc? I feel like. I feel like at some point, well, I guess if they don't really have evidence, they can't really do anything to force it, I guess. But Okay, so here's, a yes, agreed, thousand percent agree, no argument there. Here's my thing, though. Me as mm-hmm. just a Joe Schmo, if I am approached by a cop saying, I think you killed somebody, or I think you had something to do with this double homicide... I am going to do everything in my power to prove that I did not. I am going to take the polygraph, even though that's inadmissible. I am going to give them my alibi of where I was, what I was doing, all of the things, witnesses, all of the things. I'm doing all of it. I am going to provide them with any information that they ask of me. Mm -hmm. To prove my innocence. If I did, in fact, not kill these people, I am going to do what I can to CYA. Because I am innocent and I refuse to go to jail for something like that. So if Doc yep. is is innocent in this, why is he not giving up where he was, what he was doing? And maybe because he, was, he may have been having an affair, so that could have been why. But still, like That's if true. it's double, double homicide versus being outed on the fact that you're cheating on your possible wife. Now, I'm just making shit up as I go, everybody. I don't actually know if this man was having an affair. I'm just making stuff up. But if the case was he was having an affair, I still feel like I would make the statement. I was having an affair. (laughs) I was cheating on my wife with this woman. That's my alibi. Right. Well, at least I'm not being told I'm possible suspect in murder. Right. Which... I will say it would make sense if it was this man because these he he knew Patricia, right? And Patricia mm-hmm. and Jesse were strangled. And as we've said before, that's a very personal crime. And not only were they strangled, this was something I okay, so I wanted to bring this up because I you said what happened when we talked about this before, but in my head, I didn't picture it the way it actually happened. How they were, like, strangled pretty much over and over. Like, tightening, loosening, mm-hmm. tightening, loosening. I, for some reason, when you said that in my head, pictured this person just, like, wrapping it whoops, wrapping it around their neck and pulling it with their hands tighter and looser. Um, he hung them from the tree and would pull it to where their feet... He or she pull it to where their feet were off the ground and they were hanging, and then he would, they would let them go to where their feet oh. would touch the ground and let them catch their breath and then pull it again. That's how they wow. were murdered. Yeah. That's so it sadistic. wasn't like an up close in your face thing. It was literally like, I'm going to do this over and over. I'm going to hang you, drop That's you, hang sadistic. you, drop you. That's yeah. very sadistic. Wow, I don't, I don't remember that in the in the morbid episode. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, I don't remember that in the morbid episode at all. That's that's sadistic. Yeah. yeah, that's what Detective Horn had said in one of one of the articles I read, um, because he said there were actually like marks in the dirt yeah, underneath from, their feet from them kicking. Yeah. So, so just this is this is what I'm picturing in my head, okay? Because he's obviously he can't. You'd have to be like the Hulk to be able to do this to both these people at the same time. So mm-hmm. the only thing that's in my head is that I'm picturing that he tied up Patricia first, like to a tree, to like keep her mm-hmm. still, and did this to Jesse over and over and over again. While Patricia mm-hmm. watched him kill Jesse, and then he did that same thing to Patricia. Because yes. that's the only way he'd be able to do it. There'd be no possible way for him to do this to both of them at the same time. Not two grown-ass right. people. Right. You Literally, you'd have no. to have the strength of a bull to be able to pull them both off. Because he's not going to let one loose, because then he could poss- they could possibly run. You know right. what I mean? So right. he'd have to tie one up and torture that one person 
to watch their friend or lover, whatever they were, being killed. That's fucking... Yeah. I'm gonna have fucking yeah. nightmares about that for the rest of my life. Wow. Right. Wow, 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 wow. Yep. So, this was from 2018. This is the one that says there was potentially a break in the case coming. Um, okay, before we do that, he, th- this killer must have been exhausted by the time this was done. I'm telling you. Like, ha- they had to have been. And it had to have been. A- <clears throat> had to have. I'm not saying women can't do what men can do, but that that woman, if it was a woman, they would have to have been literally built like a bull to be able to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Literally like. Yeah. Like linebacker broad built to be able to do that with a 19 year old man and a 20 year old woman mm-hmm. like the just to they had to he had to have been exhausted completely drained of everything and just literally running on pure adrenaline and anger to be able to do that yeah. twice multiple times or to do that to two different people that's yeah wow yeah that's it's rough that's rough that's rough. That's that's cr- that's insane to think about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so there is um a what do I want to call it? A device. It's called an M vac. It is a uh-huh. wet vacuum DNA collection system. So, and it was actually originally designed to determine possible pathogens in food samples. It's very similar to a handheld carpet cleaner, but it can extract DNA from difficult places, such as inside the knots that were used to tie McBain and Man Up to strangle them. Oh! Mm Mm-hmm. Only 80 MVAC machines exist in the world, with 40 in the United States. And fortunately for local investigators, this county recently received a new MVAC system in 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, We have the ropes where the victims were found individually and then lashed around a tree to one another, Horn said. The rope has been preserved and protected. So after 47 long years of futility, there there remains a chance that this case could have closure, that a potential suspect could be taken into custody and tried for these brutal murders. If they're still alive. Right. So that was in 2018. In, let me see if there's a specific date. What did I say? April. So I have another one from June 14th of 2018. Okay. So a few months later. Um, it is from WRAL News, uh-huh. and it is by Sarah Kruger. Unfortunately, it didn't work. A yeah. new technology was still not enough to close an Orange County murder case, disappointing detectives and leading them to worry that justice may never be served. Ah, okay, so this is the one where he went into the whole thing about um, how they were strangled. Someone abducted the young couple, forced them into the trunk of a vehicle, then strangled them over a period of time. It wasn't one continuous pulling tight of a rope around their neck to strangle them, said Tim Horn of the Orange County Sheriff's Office. It appeared to be a situation where the rope was tightened, then then they let it go, let them regain their breath, regain consciousness possibly, and then they were strangled again. Oh, this one doesn't talk about their feet thing, so it wasn't this one, but that also is a explains just, it a little more. Just still, just thinking about that, like the strength that the murderer had. That the, the for I don't even want to think about what, what Patricia and Jesse went through. Like I'm just not going to go through that because that's just absolutely fucking horrendous. But just this, the absolute. Again, it had to have been pure adrenaline and anger. It had to have been mm-hmm. pure adrenaline and sadism. Like that's the that's like the only thing that I, that man could have been running off of. Like literally, 
pure adrenaline and sadism because there's no possible mm-hmm. fucking way that you can let's say it took let's say he did it 10 times okay let's say he did it 10 times to each person you threw a rope over a tree branch 19 year old let's say he weighs 170 pounds okay let's put him on like a moderate size mm-hmm. you hoisted him up even if it was just six inches you hoisted mm-hmm. him up waited till he about passed out basically put him back down let him catch his breath and then did it again over and over 170 po- 170 pounds that's a lot of weight to do that yeah. over and over and over again even if it was only 10 times that's a lot mm-hmm. of weight then kills him then he now has to fight a fight Patricia. Let's say she weighs 120 pounds. Let's make her small. That's about that's my size. I'm about 120 pounds. Let's and then she's now gonna fight because she just saw what happened to Jesse. So mm-hmm. she's now gonna be moving in 120 pounds, moving way more than Jesse did, and pulling her up and letting her pass out, basically bringing her back down, letting her catch her breath. And then doing that another 10 times. I couldn't. I couldn't imagine. I literally, I could not, I could not imagine. Yep. Yeah, I um, found that other article. So the exact quote is, it looks like they were strangled and then let down, strangled and then let down over a period of time to the point where their shoes still had mud on them and there were little troughs where their feet had been thrashing around. They also had been stabbed several times. It's a crime of passion. It's someone that knew them. It's absolutely somebody that knew them. There's no way that there's not. There's no way that yeah. you've put there because he was meticulous. Mm-hmm. He strangled them over and over and over again, and then stabbed them both over, over and over again. He was and meticulous. Then tied them to a tree, right? Together. Yes, and also you said that Patricia had internal injuries from being stomped on. Right? Was it Patricia or Jesse? It was Patricia. It was. It could have been from being punched, kicked, stomped, something. She had, she some had an internal sort of, injury. Some sort of violent trauma to her, to her wherever, and to have, mm-hmm. in, like, an internal injury. I mean, granted, like, if you are getting, like, if you get in a fist fight with somebody, they're going to take a cheap shot, shot and punch you in the gut. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it happens. You see it in the movies. I mean, if you saw a fight, fist fight in high school, a lot of the times you, you'd, you'd see it happen, okay? Mm-hmm. But, like, for her to only... I mean, I'm I'm willing to bet what happened is that he stomped on her or kicked her in the abdomen to get the noose around her neck to be able to mm-hmm. hang her in the tree. Over and over yeah. and over again. He did it to get her to stop moving. I'm willing to bet that's what happened. We obviously mm-hmm. don't know what what occurred first in this in this right. series of very, very unfortunate events. Uh, but wow. That is just... Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the p- person who killed these two literal babies. Yeah. They they knew. They knew these two people. They 110% knew, yeah. those, knew those two people. Yeah, and unfortunately, they really needed that break. They needed that DNA because as of 2018, whoever the suspect was had to have, at, at this point, is already over 80 years old. Right. You're, you're running out of time if you want that justice. So what Detective Horn did was he partnered up with crime novelist and investigative journalist Eric Pruitt Um, on a podcast where they are discussing all of the details and trying to solve the murder, pretty much. Um, Detective Horn said, we were never able to get all of the information out to the public that may jar someone's memory. So by doing the podcast, our hopes are certainly that we get more information back from potential witnesses. Eric Pruitt called the case fascinating and very addictive and said he hopes the podcast can answer some open questions and quash any rumors about the murders. Um, 
among those interviewed for the podcast is the prime suspect, that doctor. Mm-hmm. And Eric Pruitt said, it was chilling. I've never been in the room with somebody like that. Time will tell guilt, innocence, etc. But this was a cold person. He totally fucking did it. I'm calling it right now. That motherfucker did it. He absolutely did it. Here, here's, here's, my, here's my guess. Here's my guess of what happened. Or why this happened. Doc Man had a crush on the nurse. Mm-hmm. She turned him down. Because I don't know if you know this. But there's like. Not an unspoken rule. But there's like a. I don't know how to word it. But basically like nurses don't date doctors. Because that gives them a bad rap. Mm. In a sense. I don't know if that's still true like now, but I know like back then it gives them a, it gives them a a bad look basically. But Doc Man had a crush on her. She refused him. She went on a date on, with Jesse. He didn't he was stalking her basically, keeping an eye on her cuz he wanted her for himself, realized what was mm-hmm. happening and went from there. That's what I think happened. He had a plan for just her because she turned him down mm-hmm. and realized there was two of them and took them both out. Yeah. I could see it. I could see I it. I could see it. He did it. He had, there's no way. I mean, of course there's a way there's, I, I obviously I don't know. I was not there. There is a way that it was mm-hmm. not him. There's absolutely a way. But if there are people, if he's refusing to talk, and a man who has a podcast is saying being in the same room with this man was chilling because of how he was, that tells me all I need to know. I would be terrible on a jury. Thank God I never have to do that since you know I'm married to a cop. Thank God I never have to do jury duty. Mm-hmm. I would be terrible on a jury because I would make up my mind so quickly. Make up my mind so quickly. Oh, 100%. 100%. I'm just saying. I am just saying. So, I just looked up the name of the podcast is The Long Dance. If anyone okay. is interested in listening to it. I haven't listened to it at all yet, but um, yeah, he really goes into everything and does interviews and is trying his best to help solve this case that has been a cold case for what it's now 2024 so what year did it happen again 53 years 1971 yeah 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 53 53 and the case has been, it's it's been reopened and closed and reopened, well, not closed, but reopened a bunch yeah. of times over the yeah. last 53 years, so. It's gone cold and then they they found something, so they reopened it and then it's gone cold and they reopened it. Yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. That's so sad. I couldn't, I could especially being like, because again, they were, they were, I mean, they were young. 19 yeah. and 20 is young. They had their whole entire lives ahead of them. Yeah. That's 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 so unbelievably sad and I feel so bad for Jesse and Patricia's parents having to bury their children, like their young adult children. That is it's literally I could not fucking imagine. I could not imagine having to deal with something like that. Especially because at the hands of somebody else. It's not like they like they slipped on ice and got in a car accident. I mean, of course, that's absolutely tragic and absolutely devastatingly heartbreaking. And I couldn't imagine having to bury my child in any way, shape, or form, no matter what the circumstances were. But knowing that your child died at the hands of somebody, some sadistic asshole, and knowing they were tortured beforehand, has to be the absolute worst thing on the face of the planet. It has to be. Yeah, it has to be. There's no other way for it. There's nothing else in this world that could be worse than that, except being the one being tortured and killed. Yeah. Like, it's it's so, I could not, I could not imagine. I couldn't. Yeah, no, it, that, that's a rough one for sure. Um, that's kind of why I wanted to look into it to see what else there was. Um, yeah. the other one I considered that I, I really wanted to look into was the one um, Cassandra Rundle, the mom that was murdered and her kids were also murdered. Yeah. 
Um, there's like nothing out there on that case. I'm not, I'm not surprised. It's literally not, every article is that is a really brief it, summary, it, and there's nothing yeah. to it. Yeah, so. I'm willing to bet that there's nothing to that because they are the, a able to catch the guy relatively quickly, or b there was nothing to it and it, and it ran cold. It's still unsolved. Yeah, it's, it's unsolved. It's still, yeah, that's why because yeah. there's probably minimal evidence. Yeah. So this one though, I uh, this one was a a good one to look into. Um, yeah. Yeah, that one's a doozy. I and I highly suggest it was about uh 2021, I think is when um Elena and Ash covered it on Morbid, I think. Could have been a year, but it could have been 2020. I don't actually I don't fully remember, but I highly suggest going through and listening to them as well cover this. Mm-hmm. Um because Ash or I'm sorry, Elena, like I said, she was a autopsy technician. So she really like gets into the nitty-gritty of the science of doing something like that, of strangling and right. strangling and strangling again. Um, so that's also a really good one to listen to about this. Who if you guys want to really like hear like the deep 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 dive into it because she'll look like mm-hmm. look in a newspaper she she got the autopsy results i believe she got all sorts of shit she looked at everything oh, wow. she could possibly yeah she dove, like dove deep mm. so i might have to listen like, to that one next yeah it's but... a good one i'll have to see if i can find the episode number and we can post it yeah wow that's but, yep that's that's something Happy Valentine's. So happy fucking Valentine's Day. God damn. <laughs> God damn. Um, so yep. uh I feel like we may need a palate cleanser. Do we have a palate cleanser? <laughs> you don't have a palate cleanser, do you? Carly, mm-hmm. you can't talk about murder without a palate cleanser. Why not? Are you um, scared? it's called that's rich coming from you who literally jumps when a fucking cord touches your foot. Hey, that's different. It's not. You It's different. Carly, you're literally afraid of everything. <laughs> Listen, I convinced Jake to watch a movie last night with me that is a movie that I remember watching, like going to see in middle school, and I didn't sleep for well, I had to sleep for like two weeks with my lights on afterwards of watching this movie and we watched it last night and I couldn't watch it. (laughs) (laughs) I kept covering my face. See, that's why I don't do scary movies. If anyone wants to know what it was, it was uh, The Woman in Black with Daniel Radcliffe from like 2013. Still scary I could never. That sounds absolutely awful. Yeah, it's a rough one. Okay, I kind of have one. I kind of have a palate cleanser. It was like the first one that popped up on Reddit. It says, am I the asshole for, quote, throwing a tantrum because my my child wasn't invited to a child-free wedding? My sister is getting remarried and wants a very small wedding and only with only immediate family. Yesterday, we got got her wedding invitation to my... And to my surprise, it was the, that the wedding is child free and my child isn't invited. My child is 17 years old and going to and going to be 18 soon. By the way, my child is the only one under 18 in our family and in the groom's family. So she is the only one being excluded. I called my sister and asked her if she was effing serious. She said, I'm sorry, but we have decided to be a, we want a child free wedding. I told her to just say that you want, um, quote, my child free wedding and get over with it, get it over with it. Get it over with because this is exactly what you were doing. We got into an argument and she told me I need to stop throwing a tantrum and my child doesn't need. I am so sorry. I'm downstairs recording and my dog just literally shook (laughs) like she just got out of a bath and she didn't. Anyways, she told me to stop throwing a tantrum and my child doesn't need to be included in everything. I told her that we won't be attending her wedding and then she called me an asshole for not supporting her. I would say, hmm, not the asshole. I'm going to say not the I asshole. Would, I would 
agree. So here's my thing. I know if you say, like, this person doesn't count. Okay, so it's sort of like... It's sort of like the rule of, if I make an excuse for someone who's a minute late, then I'm going to have to make an excuse for someone who's two minutes late. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. it's kind of, I get where the bride, the sister's coming from, saying, like, we made the... The excuse is the, the reason is the reason that's, that's my choice. It's my wedding. I get it. But at the same time, if she's going to be 18, like the month after your wedding, come on. And if she's the only one in your immediate family being excluded, that's why like, I don't take this personally. Well, you're not having a child-free wedding. So those who are having a child-free wedding, don't take this personally. But when you have a child-free wedding, it's, it's... You kind of have to make exceptions to the rule, almost. So, if, like, when I got married, if if I wanted a child-free wedding, and my niece was about to be 18 years old, I would make, literally, I'm pretty sure she turned 18, no, she turned 17 the month after we got married. Anyways, if she was about to turn 18 the month after we got married, I'd say, no, Joelle, you're fine. You can come. Like, it's mm-hmm. no big deal. But if she's like four and I'm having a child free wedding, I would literally have to look at my sister and be like, no. No. Mm-hmm. Right. On the flip, I would also be the one paying for a babysitter and making sure my wedding is near a hotel so the babysitter could watch all the kids. In a in a bedroom in one of the rooms in one of the hotel rooms, mm. I'd get I'd get a few movies, I'd order them pizza, or I'd let them have dinner with us, do some dancing. Everybody's out by nine o'clock. Go with the babysitter, right? But if she's the only one that's being excluded, if it's because it says it bluntly says mm-hmm. that um that she wants to have a very small with only immediate family. Well, the bride and the OP are sisters. Therefore, mm-hmm. the 17-year-old niece is immediate family. You're having a child-free wedding. But if it's just immediate family, is it really immediate family? If you're having small... I mean, if it's small, then it should be no big deal right. that the 17-year-old's there. Make a rule like nobody under this age... That's like, what I was going to say. Nobody under the age of 15. 15 mm-hmm. years old. If you turn 15 in 2024, you cannot come to our wedding. Yeah. If you turn 16 in 2024, you are welcome. Even if you like think- turn, if your wedding's in June and you turn 16 in October, you're fine. You can come. If you turn 16 in 2024, you can come to the wedding. Mm-hmm. that's just me though yeah no I agree I think it's way better to do like an age limit instead of just saying child free because right you're gonna run into situations I get I can understand why people wouldn't want very very little children yeah at their wedding I get it totally understand but I feel like if they're older what does it matter yeah yeah, I mean, They're I almost had, an adult. She, she literally, literally, if she's truly going to be eighteen soon, like if she just turned seventeen yesterday, that's not turning eighteen soon. Your your mm-hmm. daughter's not going to be eighteen for a year. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm just right, saying that's right. not soon. But like with my wedding, I had all sorts of kids there, all sorts of ages. I think the youngest one that was there was probably my sister's friend Kelsey. Um, her daughter Faye was there, and I think she was four. I think. Okay. I think she was the youngest. I think. Okay. But no, that's not true. I lied. Eli was there, and Eli was a literal infant. He was born oh. in September of twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> he was a literal infant. Um, so he was the youngest uh. one there, but Fran Francesca didn't end up staying. Um, because again, she had a literal infant. So. Right. 
I mean, I I personally don't care, but I also understand why people do. Kids can escape mm-hmm. the re- reception. But mm-hmm. I know, like, mine and Lee's friend, Alyssa and Tyler, when they got married, I believe sh- they paid her niece. All the kids were allowed to stay at the reception until, like, 7.30. And then everybody who wanted their kids to go with the babysitter, they went. So her she paid her niece and got movies and snacks and everything. And they all went to a, a hotel room at the Brandywine. And... Everybody, all the kids were up there having a grand old time while all the adults got to party. That's what she did. Now, if the parents weren't okay with the their children going with the niece, well, then the whole then they all left. They all left, or they mm-hmm. found they made different arrangements for their kids. But I mean, there's always that option. There's always right. there's always options. There's always exceptions to the rule, especially when it's your literal niece. It's not like it's mm-hmm. my second cousin's girlfriend's son. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I know you're, like, making exception, Like, you're making boundaries with yours. And I'm not going to say anything out loud mm-hmm. in case certain people are listening and you haven't vocally said anything. So, I'm not going to say anything at all. too out loud. But you're making your boundaries. And when it's right. time for those boundaries right. to be known, those boundaries will be known. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not bringing my kids to your wedding. Nope. I'm having an adult-free night. Yeah. Yeah, You said that because I asked you. I was like, what? Like, I don't know. Do you want a date night? Do you want to bring the girls? Like, you tell me. And you were like, I'm not bringing them. (laughs) I mean, if you wanted them there, I would bring them. Absolutely. But if you don't care, I'm not bringing them. (laughs) I'm just not. No, it's fine. They can hang out. You can hang out with grandma and grandpa. Right. It's fine. Yes. (laughs) I'm gonna totally get it. Get mostly drunk, and then I'm gonna go to bed, and I'm gonna slumber until like 11 a.m. That's my that is my plan. I'm gonna sleep, and I'm gonna sleep a lot, especially (laughs) after the chaos of the day. I'm gonna yeah get real good good sleep in. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Mm Hmm. It's gonna be great. <sighs> All right, well, that was a good palate cleanser, I think. Yeah, yeah. By the way, and the comments are 50 50, by the way, on this. There are people saying, uh, commenting on here, saying that, well, it's her wedding, it's her rules, which, yes, but there's other people on there saying she's taking it a step too far. I mean, if her, if the niece is tr- truly going to be 18 soon, then it's no big deal. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's not like they're like, especially if they're not like an immature 17 year old. Right. You know what I mean? Because there's those like, especially boys, no offense to you men out there, but 17 year old boys are literally the most immature human beings on the face of the fucking planet. So if it was like a 17 year old boy, I would still think it was wrong, but I'd be a little bit more understanding. (laughs) (laughs) all right well you got anything else for us carly no (laughs) nothing to share nobody sent us any love stories again so you bunch of jerks send us your love stories come on do we what's left of february next week oh we will have another february episode okay you guys have one week one week. You guys have one week to get us your love stories. I'm going to post and post. I'm going to post it every single day. Send us your damn love <laughs> stories. So, all right. I don't know what next week's is. Next week's theme. I thought we were going to do Reddit stories, but possibly. I don't remember. It, it'll be a surprise for everybody. Um, so Sounds good. we're so chaotic um thanks everyone for listening to this awesome episode um please follow us on instagram at two feral idiots follow join our facebook groups to facebook groups facebook group one group uh two feral idiots and if you want to send us a email two feral idiots podcast at gmail.com that's everything solid yeah dope all right we'll see y'all next week (laughs) 
see you next week guys <laughs> Thank you.